0: You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, joined by Rob Rang. Happy Thursday to all of our listeners. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. It's been something that's been speculated for quite some time throughout this offseason, and now there's a growing sense that the Seahawks will welcome Josh Gordon back with open arms if he's reinstated by the NFL. Obviously, still a big if there, but per source's understanding of the situation, Rob, it sounds like that verdict could come as early as next week. And he reapplied for reinstatement last month. He's been on indefinite suspension since after a week 15 win in Carolina in December. Didn't get to play in the playoffs for the Seahawks, but Looks like we could have a verdict coming here very soon.
1: Yeah. And it would make a lot of sense if the Seahawks were going to, to bring Josh Gordon back. If, as you mentioned, uh, Corbin, if that that Josh Gordon is in fact, uh, you know, allowed back into the NFL, of course he's had five different suspensions um, for, for, uh, you know, drug use, uh, uh, you know, and so that is something that, uh, that is very much still up in the air, but what is not uh, something that is debatable is Josh Gordon's talent. Uh, Anybody who who saw that, the, the big reception against the Carolina Panthers when he basically just stretched out and, and, and caught the deep ball from Russell Wilson saw how effectively that, that Gordon used his size, uh, you know, on, on those slant routes and things like that against the Rams, against the Eagles, against the 49ers, including uh pro bowler, Richard Sherman, uh, Josh Gordon came into Seattle and was immediately effective. And with, with all due respect to the talent that they already have on the field, we've talked a lot about it already Corbin that, you know, you have a smaller receiver entirely. Tyler Lockett, you have an injury prone guy, or at least has been to this point um, in, his, in his short career in, in DK Metcalf. You know, you you have another guy that you're excited about in Philip Dorsett, but none of them possess the package and, and proven production that, that Gordon has. So, yeah, if, if he is available, then I'm sure that John Schneier is going to be very excited in bringing back the big receiver.
0: You look at what he did in five games with the Seahawks after being claimed off waivers, only had one start. But he was targeted 11 times by Russell Wilson. He caught seven of those passes, and several of them were for big first downs. His first game with the team was that overtime win against the 49ers, and he had two clutch third-down receptions in that game, one of them in the fourth quarter and one in overtime. And he averaged almost 20 yards per reception. Again, only seven receptions, so it's a small sample size. But you could see what he could do as a vertical threat still. He might not be able to run like he could when he first entered the league, but at his size – he is still a guy that can create problems downfield. He's a very good short route runner. You could see that with the slants where he was consistently getting open. He's got soft hands. He was reliable in that limited amount of time. And you know, Russell Wilson was quickly showing trust in him by going to him on those key third downs. And so All along, as we've been talking about, there's been the discussion about Antonio Brown potentially going to the Seahawks. And we want to talk about a weird week that he's had on social media. But I guess what's new, that's what Antonio Brown does on Twitter and Instagram, is he behaves like he does off off of social media. Very erratic behavior. But he initially looked like he was going to retire for a third time, which, again – There might not be a better player at Crying Wolf when it comes to retirement on social media than Antonio Brown. And then yesterday posted on Instagram a plea to the league to settle his situation so he can sign with a team. And so that entire situation, based on what I've been told, the Seahawks looked very closely again at Brown, but they just couldn't justify signing him at this stage because of his legal issues, some of the stuff that's going on off the field. Josh Gordon, as long as he's reinstated – you know what you're getting. He was in that locker room and held up quite well, uh, developed a great relationship with a lot of his teammates. The coaches love him, so you know he knows the system already, which is huge without off-season workouts and stuff. So I think everything is lining up as long as he is reinstated that he is going to be the guy. And I'm not going to sit here and say that it's impossible Antonio Brown ends up in a Seahawks uniform, but I think at this point that – it's much, much more likely they're just going to sign Gordon if reinstated. And if they want to bring Brown in later, that's still a possibility. But I, I think if they sign Gordon, they probably move on from that.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Corbin. I think that, you know, we've talked before about how how Russell Wilson wanted to bring in a superstar. And I think that the Seahawks have basically decided that, that Josh Gordon, uh, Antonio Brown, and obviously Greg Olson, who obviously been, already been brought into the roster, those, are, uh, those are, are, are past catchers who qualify as superstars, at least in my opinion. And so I think that the Seahawks would love to be able to add one of them. As you mentioned with Josh Gordon already – obviously having the familiarity here. It's been reported that he continues to live in this area. Uh, we know that with uh, the new collective bargaining agreement, that that marijuana is, is not the issue that it had been in the past. And so if that is the the prevailing issue with Josh Gordon, then perhaps it is more likely that he will be uh, re or accepted back into the NFL. I mean, it may sound uh, like it's something that's not likely to happen five times being suspended, but at the same time uh, the, the talent and the, the work ethic and the consistency really off the field again has been fairly impressive with Gordon except for this one obviously a frightening issue but given the track record that Seattle has had with Pete Carroll here and the way that they've been able to turn around some supposed malcontents in the past I think that Josh Gordon will be re- uh, allowed back into the NFL and I'd be surprised if he doesn't wind up with mentor with the Seattle Seahawks
0: we know there's going to be at least one suitor if he's reinstated Seattle has the familiarity working for them the coaching staff, the quarterback really likes having him out in the field and it'd just be nice to see what he could do with the training camp under his belt to further get the playbook down, develop that chemistry with Wilson. And then if you had a full season with him, which that's a big if with his history, but they can't suspend him now if he tests positive for marijuana, they can find him, but there are new changes in the CBA that certainly are going to impact things. And obviously we hope he doesn't go down that road again anyway with his history, but uh, things are just different now. So we'll see what the league does. And if he is reinstated, then I expect that we will hear pretty quickly that the Seahawks are going to be bringing him back into the fold, give themselves another talented big bodied receiver for Russell Wilson to throw to. When we come back in the second quarter, we're going to continue our position by position previews for training camp. Going to look at the tight end position, a couple of new faces, including the veteran Greg Olson that we just talked about a moment ago We'll be right back. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. This is your host, Corbin Smith, joining me as always, Rob Rang, for our Thursday episode. Later, we're going to be talking about linebackers, maybe the deepest, most talented position group on the Seahawks. But I think you could make an argument, Rob that the tight end group, if everybody can stay healthy, we've already seen one player get hurt before the start of training camp. But if this group can stay healthy, you can make an argument from a depth perspective that maybe the tight end group is right behind the linebackers on this roster.
1: I think that's a great point. Uh, You know, to me, it reminds me a little bit of the defensive end group that we talked about yesterday. And I I call it the yeah, but position for the Seahawks. And I I would argue the same thing here at the the tight end spot. Because you know that Greg Olson is a pro bowler, but yeah, but he's also an aging one at that. You know, Will Disley is a standout, yeah, but obviously the the durability concerns, which has already creeped up with with Colby Parkinson. Jacob Hollister lacks the size to be a traditional tight end you know but at the same time it's kind of like a I've used this analogy before the Baskin Robbins pick your pick your own flavor kind of idea the the Seahawks have a lot of different parts here at at tight end and that gives them a great deal of flexibility you know I think that when you when you look at this division and, and just how much uh how many how many struggles that the teams had in trying to slow down say the tight ends in San Francisco for example I think the Seattle is trying to duplicate that and and now when you when you have some of these these big rookies that they had in Parkinson and, and Sullivan possibly the receiver maybe he's going to be a tight end you have some guys that can turn and run and then you have the guys who can play the all-around all-around game
0: like Olson and Disley. That's what I love about this group is that they do have, I don't feel like there are any players that are duplicates of one another. They all have unique skill sets because Jacob Hollister really is a true receiving tight end, a a true move tight end that you can occasionally put at the end of the line of scrimmage to try to block, but that's just not his strength. He's a very athletic tight end. That is a smooth route runner, has soft hands, did drop a few passes late last year, but Overall, looked like he was a very consistent target out there for Russell Wilson, and Wilson threw the ball to him a lot, especially after Will Disley went down. He really picked up uh, a lot of those targets that would have gone to Disley, so you know Hollister's going to bring that to the table. Greg Olson is a guy that has enough size to be a blocker that has never been a strength in his game. What was encouraging to me watching his film from a year ago, though, I mean, he's, he's basically catching passes from Domino's delivery guys by the end of the season, and yet he still had almost 600 receiving yards last year. Now, he only scored two touchdowns, but again, uh, the problem is the Domino's delivery guys weren't very good at delivering inside the 20, and they just didn't get the football to him. But he's still a very productive player. You can still see the functional athleticism. Can he run like he could five years ago? No. Is he still a plus athlete for the position? Absolutely, and he 's got really soft hands, and the fact he 's six five over two hundred and fifty pounds, even if he 's lost a little bit of a step, that is still a guy on seam routes and corner routes is going to be a problem for defenses, especially when you already have to account for dK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on the outside and so I think there 's a lot of potential still, even with him being an aging player again, as long as he can stay healthy. I think this offense is going to be a great fit for him to go out and at least be a lot more productive in the red zone. You know, Russell Wilson's not going to miss those opportunities to get the football to him. And of course, Will Disley, we have seen in the 10 games that he's played. I think last year, before he got injured again with the Achilles tendon injury, I think he was playing at an all-pro level. I'm not exaggerating. The guy had 19 receptions the first four games of the season, and he had four touchdowns during that span. And you know, as a former defensive lineman, that he's going to mix it up with people in the trenches. I mean, that's what they thought they were drafting in the fourth round two years ago was a really good blocking tight end, and he's proven that he's much more than that. Unfortunately, it's been such a small sample size that we haven't been able to really see what he can do, even for half a season, let alone a full season. So they're hoping that that injury bug finally is going to go away and he's going to be able to play all 16 games. If that happens, then this is another player with a ton of upside. We've seen it on the field. This is a guy that could get you 50-plus receptions, score, seven, eight touchdowns easily based on what we've seen so far. Yeah,
1: exactly. And that's what is so exciting about it. Cause I agree with you. I do think that there are a variety of different body types and speeds with this group. To me, the two players who are the most similar happen to be your two starters in Greg Olson, a pro bowler, multiple multiple Pro Bowler, and Disley, who I think I agree with you, Corbin. I think that he can play at that level. Obviously, he has to stay healthy. But at the same time, to me, the the brilliant, uh, I, the, the brilliant move here, in my opinion, in, in bringing in a player like Greg Olson, who, again, he's, he's going to be entering his 15th NFL season. This is obviously a veteran. But at the same time is that it does provide you a very similar player as Disley. If he is slow in coming back from that Achilles tendon, if he does suffer another big-time injury – then you're not going to basically have to scrap the offense that you used to run in, in favor of a more of a hybrid or H back type of a tight end, like Jacob Hollister, who you're, you were spot on core, but I mean, he has terrific hands. He has some wiggle to him. He's a smaller guy and he can give you some real matchup problems. But again, he, he is not the big bulldo- bulldozer in, in the running game. And you know that that is always going to be something that Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer believe in. So, I I agree. I think this tight end position is is absolutely fascinating for the Seahawks. And I think that there is the potential for for Seattle to have two different tight ends in in Disley and in Olsen who are going to wind up competing to be two of Russell Wilson's most reliable playmakers, especially near the
0: red zone. And that means Hollister at best, your number three tight end, which is really interesting because you could have all three of those guys on the field together. You could have Hollister playing in the slot and then you could have Olson and Disley playing more traditional tight ends. You could have Olsen in the slot as well. I mean, there's a lot of flexibility. It's going to be really fun to watch as long as they can keep these guys on the field. And I'd be remiss not to mention Luke Wilson, especially with Colby Parkinson having foot surgery in early June. We don't know when he's going to be back from that injury. So Luke Wilson being re-signed now looks really smart and you know, he's a solid run blocker. You know that he can catch, passes in the short to intermediate game and be fairly reliable there. Didn't have a ton of targets last year in the passing game, but still Kate okay, Bull can make some plays in the red zone as well. So you know what you're getting there. Not necessarily great at any one thing, but he's a solid player all around. And he's a veteran that obviously knows the offense really well. And and he acclimated himself really well in his second time with the Seahawks last year. There's a reason they brought him back. As far as wild cards go, I think really the only one I can throw out there now is Parkinson because I really thought before the injury news broke that this kid was going to be a player that they used in packages in the red zone and in short yardage situations where they could try to get the football to him. Now, we don't even know if he's going to be available the first six weeks of the season. He could easily start the year on the pup list, and that would be very detrimental to his development and what's already been a very weird offseason for rookies.
1: Yeah, that, that is a really sad sad part of the of this story with Parkinson because, you know, this, this is a guy who, uh, you know, was used basically as more of a red zone threat, uh, you know, than than as a traditional tight end at Stanford. And, and he's still just growing to his frame. And we spent some time yesterday, Corbin, talking about the defensive end and like Rasheem Green and how he's, you know, still just a very young player. LJ Collier, Daryl Taylor, both uh, older than him, I believe. And I think that when you, when you look at Parkinson, still just 21 years old, 6'7", 250 pounds already, you're starting to think, what could he be a year or two or three from now in an NFL weight room? So to me, that's the fascinating thing about him, is I want to see him get stronger, obviously with the injury, then he's not going to be able to get onto the field. But what he can demonstrate to the Seahawks is that he has the physical and mental maturity you're looking for to be a pro. Get your butt in the weight room, get stronger while you can
0: yeah, there's things he'll be able to do right now as he's continuing to let that foot heal. And if he's able to get up, he was saying to reporters he'd like to be in the 260 range. And if you could get another 10 pounds on him with that frame, that should be really easy. And then he's got a future potentially being a all around inline tight end that you can move around. And that would be awesome if the Seahawks were able to unearth a player of that caliber in the fourth round. As far as practice squad guys go, Tyler Mabry and Domwood Anderson are both on the roster, undrafted rookies that maybe one of them could hang around just because there is the concern about injuries with this group. They've got some older players like Greg Olson as well. You want to have an insurance policy. Of course, Uh, Stephon Sullivan as well could be in the mix played some tight end at LSU they're listing him as a receiver on the roster but 6'6 240 he's a player that could play as that move tight end kind of like what you see from Jacob Hollister he could play that role in a pinch for the Seahawks so they've got some intriguing guys there this might not necessarily be a position where they're looking to load up guys in the practice squad but again depth concerns could again become an issue because the injury history several of these guys have. So at least those are names to keep an eye on. Neither one of them is making the roster unless there's a major rash of injuries, but, Could be practice squad candidates. Going into the third quarter, we are going to swing to the defensive side of the ball and look at the linebacker group. It was already one of Seattle's strongest positions, and then they used a first-round pick, and they added an old friend back to the team as well. So we're going to look at that linebacker group heading into 2020. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Glad to have you joining us here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast Thursday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me, as always, Rob Rang. We just had a chance to look at the tight end group, one of the most fascinating position groups for Seattle. Some interesting new faces, including Greg Olson teaming up with Russell Wilson here in 2020. Now we're going to swing to the linebacker group. Last year, this was. Probably the most talented positional group on the Seahawks roster. Michael Kendricks is no longer on the team, remains unsigned. But you've still got Bobby Wagner, the best middle linebacker in football, in the middle. You've got K.J. Wright coming back for the last year of his contract. You use a first-round pick on Jordan Brooks. Bruce Irvin's re-signed. It sounds like they're planning to use him in that hybrid role where he plays some strong side backer as well as rushing off the edge. And then of course Cody Barton who showed some potential in four starts, including two playoff starts for the Seahawks last year. Rob, this is a loaded group and we know who two of the starters are going to be, but we saw how much base defense they played last year. Now I got to figure out what are they going to do with that third linebacker spot.
1: Yeah, that's what's going to be interesting. Uh you know, I really think that that you know you use the the first round selection on jordan brooks for a reason uh you know while the, the selection was a shocker when it happened because we were all kind of focusing so much on on adding another pass rusher um when you watch jordan brooks on tape you can see the instincts you certainly can see the athletic ability the the physicality uh you know and, and just the reliable tackling ability and so i think because of that because of of his uh combination of skills that he could potentially potentially. potentially just be a plug and play replacement for Kendricks at that weak side linebacker spot. Uh, He also has enough um, awareness in in coverage. That is something that, that he was kind of knocked a little bit on in the the pre-draft buildup, but you know, let's face it, Corb. I mean, he was playing in the big 12 where that's what seems, seems to be all that they do is throw the football. And so there's going to be some lapses in coverage at times on tape, but you know, considering the the way that in the NFC West for the most part, part you're going to see a little bit more of a return to kind of traditional football of some running game i think that you are going to see brooks be able to take that that you know be able to kind of go hit the ground running so to speak and then of course you gotta you have to really start the conversation with bobby wagner and future hall of famer that he is i'm not so sure that i think that he is the the best Uh, middle linebacker in the game right now. I did not think that he was that last year. But at the same time, he certainly is uh, the rock on Seattle's defense and and where you have to kind of start your playing. Uh, You know, KJ Roy, I thought, had a terrific year last year. And I'm very interested to see if he's going to be able to duplicate that. As you mentioned, this being his last season, under his current uh, contract. And then you mentioned the two young players in in Cody Barton and Ben that Now, Barton, I thought probably pretty well. Um, but at the same time, Ben Burkerman, I, I was surprised when Seattle made that selection. I, I want to see, as I mentioned before, with Kobe Parkinson tight end, I want to see Ben Burkerman measure in this year training camp at least five to eight pounds heavier than he did a year ago. That to me was the issue that, that showed up on tape over and over again at University of Washington. That cannot happen if you're going to be playing in the NFC West division that runs the football as effectively as they do here.
0: And we heard John Schneider talk about this earlier in offseason. K.J. Wright is coming back from shoulder surgery that he underwent after the season, and all signs are pointing to him being good to go for the start of the regular season, whenever week one ends up being. That's still something that's a bit in the dark here with everything that's still being discussed, but Schneider was saying that there was a chance they might move him to the Sam linebacker spot, which... I was very intrigued by because when you look at what K.J. Wright is really good at, he is not the best athlete. He's lost a step out there on the field. And when he came in the league, that was not his calling card. He was not like Bobby Wagner in the regard he came in as this freak athlete that could run sideline to sideline. That's never been his game. But he's always been a very savvy, high IQ player that is fundamentally sound, a really good tackler that just finds the football. And I think playing him off the edge more – at this stage in his career, blitzing him a bit more. I think you could prolong his productivity as an NFL linebacker by doing that. Maybe he ends up having a niche with the Seahawks for a couple more years, and this won't be the end of the line for him, especially with how well he played last year. I'm just not sure as an off-ball linebacker, you already can see some of the physical decline. I'm not sure he's going to be able to replicate what he did last year as he continues to age. I think you put him in that Sam linebacker spot – then he's going to be much more productive with his skill set. You know he's going to be physical at the line of scrimmage. He's going to be smart with contain, which was a huge problem for this defense last year. Kendricks and Barton both struggled with that last year, defending the run off the edge. And You saw teams time and time again running fly sweeps with success they're not going to do that with KJ Wright because he's going to snuff that stuff out. He's way too smart of a player. So I really like that idea. And then the other spot, the weak side linebacker position, which Wright has been so darn good at for the last nine years, I think you just put Jordan Brooks in day one. Let him take his bumps because he's just too good of an athlete and too good of a tackler not to have on the field. And he's going to learn quickly being next to Bobby Wagner. You could still mix Cody Barton in some if you would like. Barton earned some opportunities with how he played, especially in the playoffs. I thought he really made strides in those two playoff games. But the addition of Brooks is going to complicate matters for him. And I said this yesterday on our show when we were talking about edge rushers. Bruce Irvin can still play that Sam linebacker spot. But if I'm the Seahawks, I'm not playing him there with the other guys that I have on the team. I'm not going to put him in the lineup and have Jordan Brooks or Cody Barton sit on the sideline. I'd much rather have Bruce Irvin playing the defensive end spot. He's over 250 pounds. He's a better run defender than advertised. Let him get most of his reps on the defensive line. This team needs pass rushers off the edge. Let him do what he's at his best best doing and and that's pinning his ears back and chasing down quarterbacks and let the young linebackers that you got on your team now let them be in the lineup as well
1: yeah i I agree with you uh you know i think that with 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 bruce Irvin and with kj Wright, i I think that you are you're talking about two long arm tough guys and and they as their as their speed has perhaps diminished over time in the nfl they, they they have not Lost their their physicality and, and probably only gotten smarter with time, um, and, and so put them in a position to be most successful. Now, I misspoke earlier by by saying that you know that, that Brooks was going to basically come in and be a plug and play replacement for Kendricks at weakside. Obviously, that is where Wright has has excelled, but I I disagree that, or I I don't necessarily believe that he has the 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 agility um, and, and the straight line speed any longer to be able to handle the variety of different receiver options. That that he is going to be, have to face, a at, at tight end, a running back, it, even the slot receivers occasionally um, that he was asked to cover. But you use that length and physical at the point of attack to set the edge, as you commented before, I, I really think that that's where KJ Wright can give you an advantage over Seattle's other relatively undersized and younger, less experienced linebackers we talked about. Um, and, and so that's really where I think the Barton can be your weak side. Uh, you know, to me, KJ Wright has the intelligence to be able to handle that switch to the strong side linebacker position. And the same thing we talked about at tight end, where I felt like Disley and and, and, uh, and Greg Olson give you a similar type of frames i think with bruce servant and kj Wright, i I wouldn't be surprised at all if if you allowed kj Wright to come off the edge as a pass rusher i really think that he might be able to give you something that way as well and we just kind of touched upon shakim and he's another one that i think that his ability we saw in the in the playoff game his ability to scream off the edge to me it's that versatility is his essentially his only shot of making this roster i really think that he has to prove himself to be a more consistent playmaker or be able to provide a lot more versatility, not only being that edge rusher, but contributing more as a linebacker and obviously
0: contributing on special teams. That's going to be the X factor here from this group, in my opinion, because we saw what Shaquem Griffin can do rushing off the edge in limited action. It seemed like he really started to figure things out those last couple of games. So when we talked to edge rushers, I made sure to include him in that because I think the Seahawks are going to continue to look for ways to get that 4-4 and below speed on the field I mean you can't teach that kind of athleticism so they're going to find ways to get him out there but it would be really nice if you could see what he could do with that sandbacker spot too and if you've got a couple of veterans in front of him that uh, maybe aren't near the athlete but they have the experience factor working for him I mean it's gonna make it difficult for him to get out there and so that's the big problem it's a good problem to have but the Seahawks have a lot of really good players at the linebacker position. They've got a lot of different style players. They've got some veterans. They've got some young guys. They've got a dynamic rookie in Jordan Brooks coming in. Barton played really well at the end of the season last year. He's a young guy, so there's so many good players here that I, I'm very fascinated to see how all this unfolds and what they choose to do with K.J. Wright, Bruce Irvin. Like I said, I'm putting him at defensive end for the most part. I don't see the need – to put him at Sam linebacker with all the other players they've got here. And they certainly could use any help they can get rushing the passer off the defensive line. So I think that's where he's going to be the best suited to help this football team in his second stint with the team. And as far as wild cards go, we've thrown out a bunch of different names. Burr maybe. Uh, Barton is a wild card, maybe to start. One other name I'll throw out here, Emmanuel Ellerby did not play in any games last year. But – The Seahawks value special teams about as much as any team out there, and they had their struggles in that regard some last year. Emmanuel Ellerby, going back to his time at Rice, has always been a very sound special teams guy. So if he stays healthy and he's able to make plays on your kick coverage, punt coverage, then maybe that's a guy end of the roster that could surprise you and work his way onto the team rather than somebody like Burke Hervin. But I really think that this is pretty cut and dry. You've got your top – five or six linebackers, and then there's a pretty big dip after that.
1: There, there is, but although if, if we're going to talk about wild cards, the one guy that I would mention would be Sutton Smith. Now, six one, two hundred thirty five 235 pounds. He doesn't sound like a pass rusher, but that's where he excelled at Northern Illinois. And, and, and this is a guy who is, is kind of like a, has a sawed-off fit, uh, kind of compact frame, kind of like a, a Shaquem Griffin. He is just lightning off the edge. I do not believe that that he, as well as Bruce Irvin, Benson Mayoya the rookie pass rushers, Daryl Taylor, Alton Robinson, uh, Griffin, all these guys are going to be able to make the roster. But if there is any type of injury, I personally believe that Sutton Smith is closer to making this roster than, than perhaps some of the other linebackers uh, that, that we have mentioned just because of his ability to rush up field. And so he's another player who I think could be one of those splashy wildcard guys that if he gets his opportunity, I do believe that he'll be able to bring down the quarterback.
0: That was something that he he was really darn good at at Northern Illinois, as you mentioned. He had double-digit sacks, I believe, each of his last two seasons there, and he was actually an All-American at Northern Illinois. So he's undersized, but the dude plays hard, and he's got some moves off the edge, too. So maybe you look at him at the Sam Linebacker spot as well. Like I said, it's the deepest, most talented position group on this roster. Even your guys that are at the bottom of the depth chart, there's some pretty good players here, like your Sutton Smiths, Emmanuel Ellerby, Ben Burkervin was one of the nation's leading tacklers his last year at Washington. So we've we've got some really good players here that are going to have a hard time making this roster. And again, it's a good problem to have, but really looking forward to seeing how things play out, who ends up being the starting three players there, what they do with KJ and Bruce Irvin, some of the young guys, where do they fit into the puzzle as well? This is going to be one of the most fascinating position groups on either side of the ball in training camp. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Corbin NFL. You can follow Rob at RobRang. If you'd like to be a featured sponsor on the Locked on Seahawks podcast, you can contact me, LockedSeahawks, at gmail.com. Subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever your preferred podcast platform is by going to our website, LockedOnSeahawks.com. Coming up on our Blue Friday edition training camp previews, Nick Lee is going to be joining me as co-host, and we are going to be making our first 53-man roster projections heading into camp. We're fired up to look at both offense and defense. A lot of positional battles that we have to make some tough decisions on. Hope you'll be joining us. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Go Hawks.